0: Welcome and thank you for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. This is week six, the final week of our Raise the Sales journey and sermon series. The goal of this journey is to help us realize God's generosity in our lives. As you've followed along, no doubt you've realized, discovered, and perhaps rediscovered much more. Today's scripture reading is from Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. It's that famous story when the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Here's First Prez Senior Pastor Dan Chun with the sermon, Say Yes to Him.
1: Well, we continue on on our race to Sales. We are at Joshua chapter 6. So when our Bible passage opens, uh, we see it was 40 years ago. 40 years ago, Joshua had last seen Jericho. Forty years ago, he was a spy in the land. Forty years ago, he and his friend Caleb were part of a 12-man special forces reconnaissance group to check out the promised land. But when they returned to report to Moses, 10 of them said they should turn away because they saw giants in the land. Only Joshua and Caleb said they should move forward, cross the Jordan River, be strong and bold and take the city. But the Israelites didn't. And God did not let them see the promised land because of their lack of faith in him. All of them of that generation would not get to see it, except for Joshua and Caleb's families. Because of their faith, God promised Joshua and Caleb they would indeed someday take the land, but it would take some time. Forty years later, their fellow, their 10 fellow spies and that whole generation had died. And now Joshua... And the next generation had crossed the Jordan River to lead an army against the fortified city of Jericho. Stakes were high. This battle would be a tremendous sacrifice. And think about it. This, this band of Israelites, they had no military training or experience or technical know-how to go up against a fortified city. In fact, had they ever seen a city, they'd been walking in the wilderness for 40 years They didn't know how to build siege towers or catapults or battering rams. It's kind of like Joshua is a football coach going into the Super Bowl and his team has never played football before. If they lose, they lose their lives and their women and their children. And to boot, as we learned last week, just before the big game, they got circumcised. What bad timing before a battle. Yet God told them, take the city. Point one of the sermon is that there are times that God leads us into battle or a situation where we don't feel we have the experience or the skills. When God led me to become a TV news journalist, uh, I had no journalism experience, no filmmaking experience, no on-air talent experience but God led me into one of the greatest experiences I've ever had, and what I learned there has lasted me for a lifetime, learning about writing and producing and speaking and handling pressure and corporate awareness and understanding how excellence serves people and the Lord. God took me into an area that truly was out of my comfort zone, but it was all for good. When we say yes to God... It means we have to have patience. Joshua had to wait 40 years to see God's promise to him of seeing the promised land unfold. When we say yes to God, it means saying yes to an adventure that will often defy the world's logic. It will be scary and exciting and gut-wrenching, and it always involves sacrifice, obedience, and faith to say yes to God. And so it was when God gave us this house, God's house at Ko'olau. In 2003, an elder named Don Parker had a dream. He said he never dreams. And so this one was memorable and significant. And he saw me preaching here at Ko'olau, a golf club. And we had been considering for years that God might be leading us to move from our Makiki campus because we had 83 parking spaces and about 800 people coming and still growing. And we had looked at hundreds of places but couldn't find a suitable property. In an earlier planning meeting, actually, without knowledge of Ko'olau, I had said before an architect and church leaders that I felt the next campus Um, after Makiki would be large like a hotel with wide hallways to receive thousands of people. And there would be greenery and water fountains. And it would be elegant but not opulent. And it would have a fireplace. And and the room erupted in laughter as it's a rare place indeed that would have a fireplace here in Hawaii. And I, I envisioned people gathering around the fireplace, singing Christmas carols. Much, much later... When Don said that his dream about Koala might be significant, we decided to take a look. And lo and behold, it had everything that was in my vision. And, and when the staff saw the fireplace near the atrium, they jokingly said, it's a sign, it's a sign. Little do they know that just three years later, we would own the Koala campus And our first Christmas here would be singing Christmas carols between worship services in the fireside room near the fireplace with Eileen Lum leading them as we rolled in a piano. We moved here uh, in 2006 and 10 years later, we paid off the mortgage. We, when we say yes to God, indeed we see miracles. And years after we bought this place, I was um, praying by myself at the top of the uh, stairs overlooking the atrium where the cross hangs from our old church. And I said to God in the prayer, oh golly Lord, with all these marble walls and marble floors and columns, maybe it's more opulent than elegant. And at that point, I heard this like a loud voice in my head it sounded as loud as if some of you in the front row would be shouting to me right now. And here's what the voice said. Dan, this is my house. And I immediately said, I am so sorry I said that. Yes, it is your house. And I thought of how in the Bible, when the temple of the Lord was built, it was with the finest cedars of Lebanon and had great metals and gold and This is his house, and it made to be elegant. And if God chose this place as his, if God gave this to us as his house, then we must steward it well. If we were to have constructed this from scratch and built it with the marble floors and the columns and the walls, people might say, hey, that's too much. But God chose this for us as is, turnkey. And even when it was originally built as a golf club, God's vision, his sovereignty was that, yeah, it would be built, but when then one day it's going to be turned into a house of worship and a base of operation for ministry from which we would go out and affect Hawaii and the world. He gave this place to us, and now he wants us to maintain it. Our place is his place. Our house is really his house we only had $200,000 in our capital count when we started to, um, to buy this campus, and the seller wanted $20 million. Um, talk about miracles. We, we tried to buy it anyway because God said to go ahead. We said yes to him, and after several negotiations with the owner, he finally agreed to sell. It was a miracle, like the walls of Jericho falling. And by God's grace, we were able to buy it because of God and the faithfulness and sacrifice of the people of this church. And just three years ago, in 2016, we closed the mortgage, and people are always amazed when they find out that we own the whole place debt-free. When we say yes to God, we will see miracles. When we say yes to God, we see He uses objects, whether stones of remembrance or Jericho walls or buildings. When we say yes to God, we start on a journey with the Lord that will be adventurous and scary and sometimes illogical. When we say yes to God, we realize that God is on a mission and it's our pleasure and desire to get on his mission. For that is where we'll find the most fulfillment and satisfaction in life. In chapter 6 of Joshua, it now all comes together. The crucial challenge is this. When there are walls blocking our paths, are we truly willing to obey God in a sacrificial uh, manner, no matter how um, counterintuitive or crazy it may seem? Each and every person here has challenges, maybe with health or maybe with finances or relationships, or school, or work, um, or the loss of a loved one, uh, to name a few. Some are challenges we have put on ourselves. Some are challenges others have put on us. And some are challenges that God has put before us. When God is in the center of our lives, we learn how to face challenges and overcome them. That is much of what the story of Joshua is about. God will lead us into challenges, but he will ask us to trust him and ultimately live a life of saying yes to him. And with God, yes, we can overcome the obstacles in our lives. But what will it take on our part? Chris preached last week on how the soldiers were probably ready to take on Jericho, but God surprised them by saying Sorry, first circumcise yourselves. And the women all said to the men, He ain't talking to me, boy. He's talking to you. Sucks to be you right now. And then God told them to celebrate Passover, worship. Then they no longer had manna, the heavenly bread. And then an angel of the Lord who might have been Jesus wanted to make sure that the question on our hearts should not be whether God is for us or against us, but whether we are for God. And then, God says, after all of this, making sure our bodies are holy and worshipful through circumcision, and and that we really are worshiping God, and we have changed our diet with no manna, and have really checked on our hearts and whether we are for God, then and only then, take on Jericho. What God did to Israel in Joshua chapter 5 is parallel to what we're going through in our generosity journey. We decided to walk through a six-week Bible study in small groups, which in a sense is a sacrificial circumcision to our souls. God wants to make sure that we made time in this process to worship him and study the scriptures and make sure we understand how generous he is and how we can be generous too. We presently are on a 40-day fast, right? Right? So it's like living without the manna of our choice so that we could come to a very clear point that we can say, yes, we are on the side of God and we will raise our sails to invite the winds of the Holy Spirit to guide us and we will say yes to whatever he asks us to do. 40 years Joshua waited to make this crossing with the people. In a few months, it will be 40 years I've been associated with this church, first as an assistant pastor, then senior pastor. Not that I'm Joshua, but now we are about to cross, not the Red Sea, not the Jordan River, but it's another crossing into a greater understanding of generosity and intimacy with God. Walking through the Joshua study for the past five weeks, we started in chapter one, didn't we? Saying that we need to follow God and, and in order to de- do that, we need to be strong and courageous and know that God is always with us. And that's why we started wearing these wristbands with a verse on it. In chapter 2, we learned to prioritize God on what He cares about for Him to be number one in all of our lives and how we spend our time, talent, treasure for His mission. Not my life for my life, but our lives for your lives. Chapter 3. We learned to trust him. God told the Israelites that in order to get through the raging, overflowing River Jordan, they had to walk into it as the water was raging and trust God. But when the hem of their garments got wet, when God could see that they were indeed risking and trusting him, then and only then would the waters recede and they could walk through it on dry land. Chapter 4, we learn um, to we need to believe God and remember Him. And we learn that God is so generous that we should have objects, events, and people to remind us of why we should believe Him. We should all have stones of remembrance. Then last week, chapter 5, we learned we need to surrender to Him. That when an angel of the Lord comes to us, the question on our lips should not be, are you on my side or on my enemy's side? But the question should be, are we on the Lord's side? That our prayers should not be, will you be on my side and help me accomplish my tasks for today, but rather, what is your agenda you want me to accomplish today? What are you saying to me, Lord? What do you want me to do about it? The six-week study of the book of Joshua has been challenging. Are we people whose hem of our garments are always wet, or do we want to live lives that want to keep all of our clothes safe and dry? How are we risking for God? We should be people ready to do whatever God asks us to do with stones of remembrance in sight to help us to be strong and create courageous. Nothing in our life will be more important than following God and making Him our top priority and being open to whatever he says. So this series has been life-changing for many people, and people are seeking God in new and fresh ways. For me personally, it has affected me deeply. I see God's generosity all over in brand new ways, in people, in nature, events. And I desire to be more free with my money and to help and bless others. Chris mentioned a couple of weeks ago that there are many whose lives are being changed. And I just received an email um, a couple weeks ago that said this, and I quote, I'm seeing people really take heart to trust in God. The study has been heart-changing and life-giving and challenging. We've seen transformational answers to prayer. People who came in thinking, I have nothing more I can give, are now saying we can trust God and we will tithe. The Lord is meeting people where they are, and he is doing something in the hearts of the people in my group. End of quote. But we know that for some, they may have started with uh, crossed arms of resistance, but for many, those arms have dropped into wanting to be more open to God. And if you still have crossed arms today... That's okay. We're all on a journey, and we're all doing our faithful best. Chris said last week, this generosity journey is about raising the sales, not paddling harder. And some have felt this series has, has all been about raising money for a building. And I would say, of course we want to repair and remodel this building, Uh, Two Sundays ago, when I was preaching up here on the chancel, the rain was coming down through the roof and down the walls over there while I was here on stage. Don't rain on my parade has new meaning for me now. (laughs) We have been upfront about the building needs from the very beginning. But at the end of the day, it's the discipleship that lasts, the discipleship of the heart, and we want to expand our ministries And like the Israelites before the battle of Jericho, we knew this had to be about worship first and then Bible study and then small group community and then the sacrament of communion and our Passover observance um, and fasting before we crossed any river. That's what counts. That is lifelong to know that God is on a mission and we should desire to be on that mission. One more person taking his hands down. No, myself. <laughs> it's about the discipleship of our hearts that we can know and see how generous God is. And as followers with him on that mission, we can also be generous in all that we do. That has always been the primary goal. To have 100% engagement, to be in the process of having our hearts grown and stretched to trust God even more and make Him the number one main priority of our lives. Because if we do this, if we learn to say yes to God, it will have more important benefits than just fixing a roof. It will change our, our individual lives, change our church, change our community. That has always been the goal for these three, six weeks. That first, we would be strong and courageous, as our wristband says, and second, that there might be new priorities, as seen in the prostitute named Rahab. And in some ways, we can all be prostitutes if we follow the world and seek its payments and rewards instead of following God. And that third, When the question is asked, is our robe wet for risking for God, we say, yes, our garments are wet from walking into the Jordan River with God when we thought we would drown. And that fourth, we affirm there are stones of remembrances in our lives, events, and people, past and present, that point to God. And that fifth, the Jericho walls of our hearts might fall and be open to God to say, yes, and we're going to obey you no matter what. By God's grace, the Lord has generously entrusted to us this sprawling property with a breathtaking and awe-inspiring view, 246 acres. And central to it is his holy house. Here within these walls, we worship. We pray for healing and hope and offer hope and help and tools for living Within these walls, we have had weddings and funerals and the sacraments. Within these walls, we have laughed and cried in divorce care and grief share. We have dined and danced. We have found hope and help in the marriage course, the parenting course, the alpha course. We have been rooted and rooted and learn through many life-trading classes on Sunday mornings. Within these walls, children and youth have run and played hide-and-seek and and sang and laughed and learned about Jesus. Within these walls, hundreds have raised their hands, many in, in this room, to say, Yes, I want to dedicate or rededicate my life to Christ and be baptized. 800 in just the last five years. From these walls, from these walls, we have gone out to the community from Kaneohe to Kalihi to Waibanalo to Palama to help those in need. From these walls, we have given backpacks filled with food for kids in Palama and supplies to Kaneohe elementary school teachers and help sex trafficking victims and wash the laundry of those in need. From these walls, we have gone out to the far reaches of the world, to China and Japan and Thailand and Cambodia and East Swatini, South Korea, the Philippines. We have gone to urban areas and literally into jungles to give medical and ministerial help. And now, within these walls, now more than ever, we come to answer the call that God's house, this church, this holy temple needs some rebuilding. Like repairing the walls of the holy city, Jerusalem, to which Nehemiah and his people took up a a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other hand. So God is asking us to repair a place where the people of God meet God's church in community and to take his gospel from this church to the people of the world to build his global church around the earth. The Israelites in our Bible passage were ill-equipped, ill-prepared with a lack of experience and knowledge. But God knew, he knew that, and he gave them a big lift in that he took the walls down. He told them to do things that seemed worldly illogical, but they had to say yes to him even though and that walking around Jericho once a day for six days and then on the final day march seven times and blow horns and yell and then the walls came a-tumbling down. And that's why we can be strong and courageous. God knows when we are not skilled enough to fight our wars and he will take down the walls for us. This is no hallmark card about being strong and courageous. It's the truth for the past 6 weeks maybe God has taken down some of your walls maybe showed us that we are never alone even when we think we are maybe showed us his generous nature maybe showed us that we do have a scarcity attitude and that needs to change and now we have the chance to respond knowing it's our turn to be obedient and say yes and why do we give how do we come up with an amount it should not have come up with guilt or obligation No, if we are at all generous, it's because we follow a loving, kind God. We obey because we want to, not because we have to. We give generously because God has been so generous to us. Remember what King David wrote in 1 Chronicles 29? He said, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. And the context of that is that when they were, re- they were building the temple of God. That's it. Everything we have comes from God, and whatever we give, we give back to the Lord with gratitude that his kingdom might be extended. I love what Tim and Kathy Keller say in their devotional book on Proverbs. And they, they zeroed in on Proverbs 11:24, which says, "One person gives freely, yet gains even more; another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty." And the Kellers wrote this, "Think of farmers. The more they scatter seed, the more they will reap. And keep in mind, the seed comes back in a better form as harvest that you can eat and sell. In the same way, spiritually wise people realize their money is seed. And the only way for them to turn it into real riches is by giving it away in remarkable proportions. This is not a promise that the more you give away, the more money you'll make. Rather, the more you give away wisely to ministries and programs that help people spiritually and physically, the more your money becomes the real wealth of changed lives in others and of spiritual health in yourself. And hence, you'll be walking in the footsteps of the one who was literally broken and scattered so he could gather us to himself. Words from Tim and Kathy Keller. Therefore, we must have the faith to follow Jesus and to disperse and scatter our goods and time for others that our Lord will be glorified and people helped. We want to be generous with all, especially for when he calls to build his church both spiritually and physically. Two Sundays ago, we had our advanced commitment worship night where all of you had the opportunity to, to worship and sing praises to God. Some painted what they felt what God was saying to them at that time as we talked about those paintings back there. And then we had people coming up to the podium to share openly for their hearts what God was saying to them at that time. And then our people came forward to freely, willingly, joyfully, wholeheartedly, faithfully give their commitments to raise the sail in two boats before a model of a ship like this. Not all of you were there, but I want to show you a highlight video of what happened that night. I'm humbled
0: to be part of this family God has revealed to me that He's already radically blessed us and He's blessed me. And He's, you can't outgive the giver. I love this conversation about sowing and reaping because it stirs so much up. It stirs up, even in the most generous, the scarcity. In me, I've seen where I give out of comfort as opposed to giving out of being faithful and giving out of hope promise, and the revelation for me is that God has, so, uh, has already given me everything I've asked for. It's made me reflect on my wife, my family, my friends, this church, this body, my small group.
1: Over the past few weeks, I have reflected on the ways that I have lived doubting the generosity of God. As a young adult, my peers and I have often openly and honestly uh, shared about how difficult it is to make a living in Hawaii. We experience a sense of scarcity every day. God has been teaching me that I can trust him to provide for me. Jesus grew up in a world where resources were limited and yet he lived abundantly and gave sacrificially. If I want to be more like Jesus, This means living abundantly and giving sacrificially, even as I experience scarcity.
2: Raise the Sails has reminded me of a time in my life when I used to suffer from what I call the if and when syndrome. I would always find myself saying, if I were rich, I would give so much. And when I get rich, I'm going to give so much. And if I can only make a little bit more, I would give a little bit more. And then one day, it was literally one day, one moment, God convicted me and he said, Leon that's not how any of this works. (laughs) And he said, I've already given you so much. You've already lived so much. Look around you. Look at your life. You're already rich beyond measure. And it was then that I began to give, not only of my talents, but also of my treasure, almost to my own demise, where friends would look at me in church and say, I hope you're not giving that much because you think God is going to help you. And I would look back at them and say, no, you got it wrong. It's the opposite. He's already helped me. I'm giving out of gratitude. It's like the song says, give thanks. And it says, let the poor say I am rich, not because we worked and stored away zeros in our bank account. Let the weak say I am strong and let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. The time is now. Do not wait. Give, never say if, never say when. Tomorrow is not promised. Amen.
1: It was an amazing night. Probably one of the highlights of my entire ministry. Um, And now is our turn here in this sanctuary to say yes to God. Um, In a moment, I'm going to give you three minutes or so to think and pray about what you want to commit and write on um, your commitment card and uh, s- to the great God who so abundantly loves us. Uh, visitors, uh, you have the privilege of, of being here this Sunday to be a fly in the wall, to uh, hear a message of faith and to watch a community act out in faith. So please know no obligation for you um, But obviously, if you want to give a gift, you can. Um, I was once in Queens, New York uh, on a Sunday and was at a worship, and it happened that they were uh, having a capital campaign asking for help. And I felt so moved, I wrote a check to them uh, because I wanted to support their cause. But visitors, no pressure or obligation. Um, For our community, um, I want to say to you, uh, please, no guilt also. Just give willingly and freely and faithfully and wholeheartedly and give what uh, you want to unto our generous God um, to his church. Uh, Remember, it's not paddle harder, but it's raise the sails and let the spirit fill the sails of our hearts and minds and go wherever he wants us to go and say yes and obey. Um, Know what you do today matters. And it, ma- it matters in changing the eternities of people in Hawaii and beyond, reaching them with the hope of Jesus Christ. So what we do this morning matters. Now, um, I want to remind you that your commitment is what you normally give to the church, plus your sacrificial gift above and beyond that, and then multiply that by two for the two years we're, we're um, doing raise the sales. And remember, only the bookkeeper knows what you are giving for tax reasons, uh, and no one else knows. So don't be concerned, you know, that I might know. Um, Be more concerned that God knows. Uh, Don't worry about me. And I won't ever be told unless you tell the bookkeeper that, and what you want me to know. So we take it seriously that your gift is between you and your God. Um, If you don't have a commitment card or a pen, I think we have one in every seat. Um, But if you don't, for some reason, raise your hand or grab another one from an empty seat uh, near you. Now, for some of you, it might be the very first time you've ever committed to something like this. And I'm so happy for you. That's incredible. And God is smiling upon us this morning. Uh, And for some of you, You're choosing to give in a way that you never, ever have given before. And the Lord is smiling about that too. Smiling for your obedience and not necessarily uh, smiling on the the giving. Um, But uh, for the card, you don't need to fill out all of the blanks. It's just a worksheet. And um, the only number you need to fill out is the box at the bottom. And then don't forget to put your name on it. Some of you were at the Advanced Commitment Night. But I'm going to ask that since we're all in this together, still take a card. And you could just put the same figure and put your name on it. Um, Or if the Lord has led you to a new place after the six weeks or after what was said today, um, feel free uh, to change that. And don't worry. if you put the same figure, we're not gonna double it um, from what you gave before. Um, And you you would probably know that. Um, So the bottom box is the most important. Um, Big tip, I'm I'm such a dunce. You know, when I did mine, I I licked the envelope and tried to seal it. And I didn't realize there's adhesive tape you pull off. So so don't do what I did. And and visitors, uh, just take a card if you just want others to see what a community of faith is doing. Um, but if God has surprised you and has spoken to you, feel free. Um, Chris said uh, two weeks ago in his sermon, it is our life for your life, meaning our life for the lives of others, that they may know Christ and um, know Jesus who gave his life for them. So the worship team is going to come up. Now, uh, Raz, the worship team, Roz, is going to come up. Uh, and... Uh, She'll play some music as we take about three or four minutes uh, to give us all a time to think and pray and write. Feel free to talk to your spouse or whoever you're with or talk to God, for this is your holy offering for the Lord for this church. And what is God saying to you? So I'll be back in a few minutes uh, to give instructions. So please stay seated until I come back. Please join me in prayer. Lord, this loyal fellowship of people are about to express their generous love for you. Praise you for their love and faith in you, Lord. From this day to the ending of the world, but we in it today shall be remembered, this band of brothers and sisters, adult and children. For we now come willingly, freely, faithfully, wholeheartedly. And we give to you in love and obedience as we sing our highest praise to you, Lord of all. And now we offer our commitments to you from the deepest part of our hearts. Highest praise to you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. As the worship team is here, um, and as they sing the words, highest praises, Lord of all, uh, in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand and sing that simple chorus, and as you feel led uh, to come up the center aisle to offer up to the Lord your commitment card in these bowls uh, near this ship with sails and then circle back to your seats as we will end this service within these walls with a bouquet of songs just praise our lord so please stand right now and we will sing and as you feel led please come forward in the center aisle this has been a great morning thank you for your faithfulness some of you uh, may want some prayer and i just want to remind us that um In front of the cross and in front of the choir risers, the prayer team will be there, and they'd love to pray with you. But for all of you, I have a blessing, so please receive this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his countenance be upon you, his grace be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and generosity of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless.
0: God's generosity is so evident. The proof is all around us. It's never too late to commit or recommit to the Christian faith or to this Raise the Sales journey with First Prez. If you would like more information, you can find lots in the dedicated website raisethesales.org If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Prez website, fpchawaii.org Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at forty-five five-five-zero 550 Kionaole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Pres on Twitter and Facebook. Download the First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. If you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.